Good morning, Belton Church. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Um, I don't know about this whole situation where I have to preach after Thurman leads worship. Um, that's a hard act to follow. So I think my first order of business is going to be, we're going to start doing the sermon the first thing so that I don't have to follow Thurman, if that's okay with everybody. Um, I love uh, hearing this church sing. It is, blesses my soul. Um, I do have to say real quick, um, if I'm a little flustered, it's because my son just now hid my Bible from me, um, playing a little prank on me, so that was well done, uh, but it, it's here, so yeah, this is what I have to deal with. Um, but it's good to be here with you uh, at the Belton Church of Christ. Our family is so grateful for the way that you've welcomed us. Um, we really can't say thank you enough. Um, I'm especially fond of all the baked goods that we've received, um, and so I just want to be clear that we are new here for about a year, okay? So just want to make that crystal clear. Um, but seriously, thank you, and we and look forward to um, uh, many good times ahead of us. Um, I also want to say I'm, I'm grateful for uh, some that have come to encourage and support. So my daughter who lives in Abilene and her friend Elizabeth are here. And then our good friends, the Carols, are here. Um, so I, I'm so appreciative that they would come to encourage and support. But knowing them, I'm also pretty confident they came just to see if I would fall off the stage or something. Um, and they wanted to see it firsthand. So but thank, thank you for coming. So we are going to start a series on Advent, and for those of you who don't know, Advent is, uh, it literally means arrival, and it's this season, these next four weeks, where we wait in expectation for the arrival of Christ. Um, and so over the next four weeks, you can expect, we're going to be thinking about um, this idea of waiting and anticipation and also celebration for what's coming. And so over the next four weeks, we're going to be in Luke 1 and 2. Um, so this morning, we're going to start with the story of Zechariah. But if you want to read Luke 1 through 2 over the, uh, this next week, um, I invite you to do that. But that's where we're going to be as we look with anticipation for a Savior that will be born. And so, if you will, turn with me. Or look on the screen. We're going to be in Luke 1, starting in verse 5. And now I have to take my glasses off so I can read. <clears throat> in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by Lot 
according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you were to call him John. He will be a delight and a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Oh. So it's this story again, huh? Same song, second verse. I mean, you remember how the first verse goes, right? It's Abraham and Sarah, this couple who want a child. But now they find themselves beyond childbearing age. He's an old man, and she is well along in years. They've prayed, and they've waited, and they've prayed, and they've waited for decades. But no luck. And then they get a message from the Lord. They will have a son. And what do they do? They laugh. In fact, the text says that Abraham falls on his face and laughs. Wow. And God responds by assuring Abraham that he will bless him with a son. What about Sarah when she laughs? And I got to admit, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. All right. She laughs one of those mocking kinds of laughs. It basically says, like someone as old as me can have a kid. And when the Lord calls her out, she goes, "Uh, uh, who, me? Uh, I didn't laugh. Or as the text actually says, Sarah denied, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, oh, yes, you did laugh. (laughs) It's like my sister and me on road trips when we were young, right? He kicked me. No, I didn't. Yes, he did. Yes, you did. Kick me. I mean, whoever knew that the first ever he said, she said was going to be with the divine? I mean, this is, this is a weird thing that's happening here, right? I find it fascinating that Sarah laughs at the words of God, and she gets the equivalent of God sticking out his tongue at her. But she gets a child. All right. And so, when we hear Zechariah questioning God's words about having a son, we don't really flinch. 
we know how this goes. Which is all the more reason why what happens next is so surprising. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, waiting and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When, he returned, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. Zechariah asks a question. And he can't speak for nine months. Ouch. I mean, okay, on the one hand, I get it. I mean, why does he need to ask for proof that such a miracle would happen? I mean, here he is in the Holy of Holies, all by himself. And the angel Gabriel just appears before him. Like an angel appears and starts speaking. I mean, at that point, don't you just believe whatever comes out of his mouth? But another part of me thinks this is a little bit of an overreaction. Especially once you read the next story. I mean, in, in intentionally parallel stories, Luke tells us that the same angel, six months later, appears to Mary. He promises her, as well, that she will have a son. Now, granted, the situation is a little different. It's not that Mary is too old to have children. It's that she's so young, and she's a virgin. I mean, if there was ever a time to laugh at the words from God, right? So Mary asked the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. So here are these two similar stories and similar questions, but two vastly different responses from the angel. Mary gets an explanation. Zechariah gets chided. Mary gets assurance of God's word. Zechariah can't say any words. Why is this? Why does Zechariah have to be silent for nine months? Now, I'll be honest with you, this story is a little troubling to me. Because it's hard to understand the seemingly harsh reaction to Zechariah's question. Especially when Mary follows close behind with a question of her own, with no negative repercussions. 
What do we do with this? Well, there are a couple of different ways to view this paradox that might bring a little resolution. And I think it hinges on Zechariah's prayer. You remember, right? When, when the angel appears, he tells Zechariah not to be afraid and then says, your prayer has been heard. What was Zechariah's prayer that is being answered with these words from the angel? Well, based on Zechariah's role as a priest, in the larger context of the Jewish people, we might infer what his prayer was. So let's step back just for a second, if you will. Here are the people of God who have basically been in exile for hundreds of years with a rotating door of tyrants and oppressors and occupying empires. And during these centuries, there is a growing anticipation and hope for God's Messiah to come and deliver them. And so, as Luke begins his gospel, we find the characters in this story doing exactly what you would expect. The priests are presiding over the temple. The people are gathered outside praying and waiting. Everyone is behaving as they should. Behaving as you should when waiting for God to act. And they've been waiting for so long. And then we hear of one particular priest who finally gets his turn to enter the Holy of Holies. And this is a big deal because most priests only get one opportunity in their life to enter this sacred space, to burn incense as an offering on behalf of the people. You know he's been waiting for this chance for so long. And he's been faithful the whole time, both he and his wife, observing all the Lord's commands blamelessly. And then the angel appears and announces that he will have a son who will make ready a people prepared for the Lord. He will come in the spirit of Elijah and turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous. These words that might seem strange today, but not to this priest. He knows these words echo the final words of Malachi. Words about a coming day when God will act will redeem, will deliver, will send a Messiah. And so these words should be good news, anticipated news, long-awaited news. But this priest has been waiting for so long, maybe too long. And he needs a little extra assurance that these words will come true. It's not that he doesn't believe or trust in God. It's that he's been waiting so long. And as the author Anne Lamont says, believing isn't the hard part. Waiting on God is. But this is when Zacharias should have remembered. I mean, his name literally means Yahweh remembers. Does he not? When Abraham was told when he was already an old man and Sarah well along in years that he would have a son, God fulfilled those words. And God fulfilled words with, a similar, with similar announcements to Hannah and Samson's parents. And God fulfilled his words to deliver Israel from Egypt. And God fulfilled his words to lead them to the promised land. And God 
fulfilled his words, and God fulfilled his words. And so, in this moment, the priest named Yahweh remembers, doesn't remember. And he asks for a little extra assurance that God will fulfill these words. But because he didn't believe these words, he will have no words until that day. And so the response to Zechariah's questions is different than Mary's because Zechariah, of all people, should have remembered and believed that God would fulfill these words about the coming day. It is what he's been praying for. But what if his prayer was actually a little different? It might help this story come to a little different light. What if his prayer was more personal? What if it was the kind of prayer that kept him up at night? What if his prayer here is a prayer to have a child? So here's Zechariah. He's a priest. He has faithfully served the temple and the people of God for years. He has kept the Lord's commands. And now he's old. And he's tired. And his face is wrinkled because of all those long nights of prayer. But those prayers stopped long ago. He waited and waited. But, and so he's moved on. Still believing in God, still following the law, still serving the people, but not praying that prayer any longer. He's grown weary of waiting, and now he's too old. But today is a new day. Today is a glorious day. His name has finally been called. And today, he gets the honor and privilege to enter the most holy place on earth. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And he enters the temple with his mind focused sharply on enacting this holy ritual. He enters with his heart fluttering because of the awesome privilege it is to enter into this sacred space. This is his day. This is the one time in which those old prayers, all the waiting, the sting of unrequited longing have faded away. So why now? Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son. And the wound opens up again. And you will call him John, a name that literally means Yahweh has been gracious. Really? It's a lot to swallow. So now maybe I have a little more empathy for Zechariah in his question. Now I hear his question with a little more hurt 
in his voice, a little more pain, a little more self-protection. And yet, there's also a trace of hesitant hope. Believing isn't the hard part. Waiting on God is. So what if the angel is not so much punishing or admonishing Zechariah by silencing him? What if instead Zechariah needed the next nine months to open up to this act of grace? What if he needed to carry these words for nine months before he could believe that God would fulfill these words? When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. His name is Yahweh has been gracious. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. I wonder if Zechariah needed to carry these words to term so God could heal him. Carry these words to term so God could rekindle hope in him. Carry these words to term so he could proclaim emphatically, my son is to be called, God has been gracious. Carry these words to term so God could assure Zechariah that God will fulfill God's words. But not just these words spoken to Zechariah, but ultimately the word given to Mary. The word that will ultimately fulfill all his hopes. The word he has been waiting for for decades, for centuries. The word that will make it all all the waiting worth it. I wonder if he carried these words to term so that he would be prepared to believe that the word being carried by Mary, the word who was with God and the word who was God, is coming into the world. I resonate with Zechariah. Waiting is hard. And, and once I've been waiting for some time, I start to wonder if Yahweh does indeed remember. I hear God's words and I too often ask, how can I be sure of this? Believing isn't the hard part. Waiting on God is. I don't know what you've been waiting for, what you are waiting for. I don't know what the subject 
of your prayers late at night are. But what I do know, and what Zechariah knows, is that God will fulfill God's word. It may not be as you expect. It may take longer than you would ever want. And God may not give you exactly what you're waiting for. But hear this good news. In your waiting, God will give you God's very self. Believing isn't the hard part. Waiting on God is. But keep waiting. God is coming.